You're listening to Barbells, Boot Camps, and Banter, the official podcast of athletic-based training. We'll chat all things health, fitness, and probably some shenanigans along the way. I'm your host, Crystal Blank, owner of ABT and part-time Olympic weightlifter. Thanks for tuning in. What is up, people? Thank you for tuning in to part two of the Mookie's Miracle episode. Without further ado, here is part two. All right, so flip side of that, talked about like, you know, humor and jokes being able to, you know, carry stuff. The lack of humor I think, that we have today, you know, <laughs> there's people that, I'd say it, in here is, we're, we're not, we're kind of immune to that, but if you go on like, you know, social media stuff, people can't take jokes anymore. It's like you can't joke about any, anything. Yep. And there are people that are just so negative off of that. Like they can't even, you know, yeah, you know what I'm I, trying to say? I just no, did a terrible job of explaining that. But. No, 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 I do. But I think that's a, the problem is I think it's society in general. I, I think we've become all too sensitive, right? Everything, everything um, is offensive. Everything it, we're, you know, offensive or we're afraid of offending yeah. people. And we're trying to make everybody happy. And in the end, we're not making everybody happy. I think you're making people. Well, you try. Here's the deal, right? You're trying to make people happy by eliminating those quizzes and tests. Right. Right. You, like you it's like I don't want to hurt anyone's feeling. I don't want to, you know, put anybody in a bad mood. So let's just take that away. And if they go through their whole life, just, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's existing. It's just there, you know. It's like how you know. Part of like all right. So go into a sport. Part of the best thing about winning a championship in any sport you play or anything is the grind of it and just like the challenges that happen throughout the entire year. That's why you see grown men literally in tears holding up a, a metal trophy because of everything they've put into that, all those little things. And yeah, some of those things are negative. Some of those things might be injuries. Some things might be time away from their family, whatever it is. But at the end, you get to hold up a trophy in front of a bunch of people, yeah. you know, that part, but we're kind of in society, like you said, we're taking away those little hurdles and those, yep. those, you know, trying to make everybody kind of the same. And it's not doing anybody any good. No. Um, Cause you, you lose that end game part of it. You, you do. Well, you, you need to, you need to go through some semblance of a struggle. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Right. You get to appreciate it. Right. So I went through, Nearly 20 surgeries that includes all the reconstruction to my hand, the side of my head, my nose, my mouth. I mean, I went a year and a half without teeth. I mean, you literally have to go through all these struggles and, and, and challenges to appreciate the opposite side, to, to, to your point. And in, in society, if you eliminate all of those hurdles and challenges, especially at a younger level, right, you don't realize your true potential, if that makes any sense. Yep. Um, you know, I, I always tell people, you don't realize what your limits are until you're pushed, right? And, and as I said earlier, the way, way back, is some people don't really ever get pushed because they don't put themselves in situations to be pushed. Yep. And they're afraid of that, and that, that is what it is. But if you had asked me 11 years ago, and, or said to me, yeah, you're gonna, uh, your hand's gonna get sewn to your groin, you're gonna live life without an ear, and you're gonna go through all these things. I would've been like, no way. Like, nope, not down for that deal. Like, like what's option B? But I didn't have an option, right? Option I, B is death. Option B was death. So in this particular case, I had these, these challenges, I overcame them, 
And I'm still here today to talk about it and now hopefully make a difference and, and, and positively make a difference. Um, you know, I went through one of the greatest uh, joys this weekend. My little five-year-old boy learned how to ride a bike. Two-wheel bike, no training wheels. And he fell. And he stopped. And he almost rode off the back wall. And he almost ran into a tree. And, you know, granted, there was me running alongside of him trying to catch him so he wouldn't fall. And part of me was like, nope, got to let him fall. But by the end of the weekend, he couldn't get off his bike. He was doing laps around the cones in the side yard, wanting to race his big brother. And, you know, from a five-year-old perspective, he had all those little challenges. Mm -hmm. If I always left the training wheels on or wrapped him in bubble wrap and never let him fall, he wouldn't have appreciated how much fun it was to ride the two-wheel bike. bike. Yep. And so, for lack of putting it a better way, we all need to live life like a five-year-old. And I, I apologize to my wife in advance. I apologize all the time because I am the other five-year-old in the house. Because if I've always said if I could go back to being any age, I'd go back to being five. Because at five years old, you have zero worries, zero concerns, but you're, you're, you're just starting to build those social relationships, right? Yeah. You're just starting to get a little bit of responsibility. You're just starting to feel like a big boy, but you still don't have everything else that comes with it. Mm. To me, it's the greatest little age. So yeah, I think we all need to go back and live like we were five-year-olds. We also need that fear, like you said. Yeah. We, the things that scare us the most usually are accompanied by the greatest changes. If we can, if, if we are trying to make a change in our life, you're gonna be afraid of it. And if you're not, it's not that hard of a change. You know, there should be fear with every great change you're making. With every step forward you're taking, there should be a bit of fear, a bit of, well, how's this gonna go? I could fail, I better not, or I better fight through, I better push myself, I better find that challenge to get, get over that hump. There has to be that little bit of fear associated with it. Otherwise, it's not, not no, a great change. No, they need, you need fear and you need accountability. Yeah. Right, and, and Chris and I have had this conversation as well in that, there needs to be, uh, for lack of going back to it, accountability in what's, what you're about to accomplish, right? Mm -hmm. So in 2014, I ran the Boston Marathon. The day after the bombings, I signed up. So the day after the 2013 Boston Marathon, I signed up to run the 2014 Boston Marathon. And like anything else, you can sign up for it, and until like, you're really committed and sign on the line, you're like, hmm, yep, am I really going to do this? Like, Am I really going to put in the commitment? But I started telling people on purpose. Yep. I started social media and posting it and like, I'm running 2014 Boston Marathon. I'm going to run the Boston Marathon. I started raising money almost instantly for the, mm -hmm. once that happened, you're like, oh poop, can't go back now. Mm -hmm. I already told people I'm going to do it. I already started raising money. I, and next thing you know, it drives you, it motivates you, it pushes you. Yeah. And I ran the 2014 Boston Marathon. Yep. And I've made other changes in life that when I've made the change, I was like, ooh, this is, this one's tough. This one's going to be hard. I put myself out there for accountability. Yeah. I made it, yeah, I put it out, and it makes it harder, but at the end game, it makes it easier. Yeah, because it makes it harder to fail. Correct. Because you now have that account accountability, that outside expectation, that letting people down yep. feeling that you never really want to experience. You know, we actually talked about that on the other podcast the other day. Um, if it doesn't come out before this one, no one will get the reference. But one of my bigger fears is when people I respect and look up to don't respect me. I don't want to let them down. Mm -hmm. I want to do what I can to make sure that they have a good view of Teddy. 
Yeah. You know, and that accountability from external sources is huge. And, and to, to full circle, that's you know, when we talked about what brought me in here, it was that, it was the accountability. I wanted to come in and know that when I had to do three sets on something or four sets, whatever it was, and Chris was right there, well, I wasn't done until I was done. There was an accountability there. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, to, to again bring it back, that's what brought this place into full circle for me is because the gym wasn't going to do that, right? Looking in the mirror wasn't necessarily going to give me that accountability. You know, at the end of the day, I'd be like, oh, well, the mirror's still there tomorrow. But coming into the gym and or coming in here into ABT, it's like, no, 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 you can't move on to the next machine or next obstacle until you finish this one mm. because you guys are there. Like there's, there's that accountability immediately. Yeah. And it's that same thing of like being around people that have that same energy as you. Yep. Like I want you to succeed, you know, or if we're in a group and the whole group just has that positive vibe, you know, if everybody's like getting through a really difficult workout. Yesterday we did um, the Murph workout, which is like a, a lot of times it's a, it's a workout named after a, um, a soldier who, yeah. who was killed in action. It's kind of become like a big thing on, on you know, Memorial Days and, and kind of patriotic holidays for people to do. And I did it with the class. And I legit at the end of them, I like looked at everyone. I was like, I wouldn't have done that if, I was, if you guys weren't here. Like if I was on my own in here, came in on my own and said, hey, I'm going to do this workout, I would have quit halfway through. But the accountability of everybody else and looking over and like they're sucking through it like they're get they're Misery getting through it yeah. you know we're getting i at one point i said like hey we're all in this together now but guys let's go and we all like everybody you know yeah. it's just that can you know that collective energy yep. of everybody getting through and people are struggling and at different times and you're picking them up and they're picking you up and it's just it's a cool feeling but again it's back to the it's back to the power of the mind right it's back to the power of positivity yeah right because you positively knew again not the hokey smiley sunshine rainbows you positively knew you weren't alone yeah. right so you positively knew that you weren't going to fail yeah it, it to me that's what makes the difference right whereas if you were alone there's no positivity. There's, there's almost negativity because there's, there's nothing else there to, to, to help support you. And, you know, I, again, I literally have it tattooed on my arm. Yep. Positude, positive attitude um, to, to, to overcome. Yeah. It, can, it helps you out everywhere you go. You know what I mean? It's not just here. It's not just, it's not just being a parent. It's everywhere. Um, but going back to, you know, fear of failure. I think that's one of the big things that we're at in society right now too with like parents and this could probably be a whole nother podcast but parents just seem to be afraid of letting their kids fail so the whole bubble wrap yep. you know kind of thing that's going on right now you any advice for those type of parents you know the parents who are afraid of letting their kids fail or the parents who are afraid of failing themselves well so i think you can hit the nail on the head right there right i, I think of... because of the the social media and world we live in that everybody sees everything, right? So I don't post all too much on Facebook. I post on my Mookie's Miracle Facebook page usually daily or a couple of times a week, I'll put out some type of positive quote or positive inspirational something just to kind of, you know, give everybody a different perspective that morning. But I think because of social media, everybody puts everything out there with their kids out there, right? Or their, oh, look what my kid did today. Or look what my kid did today. Or look what my, you know, me as a parent helped my kid accomplish today. And, and again, there are times where I am also guilty of it. I don't do it too often, but I'm guilty of it. You know, my, my kid rode his bike. That's on Facebook. Of course it is, because I mm -hmm. want to share that. And I think people are, 
they, it's a new way of living up to the Joneses, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's exactly a new standard of live up to the Joneses. So I have three kids. They've all failed at something. They've all failed along the way. And I think if you ask, especially the older ones who can vocalize it more, they, they will tell you that those failures um, made them better in the long run, made their accomplishments better in the long run. So do I have advice to parents who are afraid to let their kids fail or parents say, yeah, don't be afraid to fail. Right. Don't be afraid to let your kid fail. Because not to it's cut part you of off. life. Yeah, because not to cut you off. No. F- failure is it's just an opportunity to get better yeah. or to learn from a situation. That's Bingo. all failure. Like the only real failure is not learning from that situation yep. and not getting better from it. That's yep. the failure. I had a conversation with an athlete in here who we were just talking state capitals. It was very simple, and I got it wrong. And he started, ha ha, told you so to me. And I go, yo. I'm going to let that fly. It's fine. Like, you're just being funny. But don't ever belittle someone who got something wrong because they've learned. And when you learned, you're not wrong. And if you make them feel bad about learning something, you're going to make it so they never fail. They never risk anything in the future. When someone gets something wrong, they're learning. Don't make them feel bad about that. No. Ever. Yeah. No, I agree a thousand percent. Unless it's a boot camper and they're asking the same question. (laughs) I will belittle that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's not nice. So you just mentioned it, though. Uh, Let's plug that, plug that, plug that. Mookie's Miracle. Where can can people follow that? So www.mookiesmiracle.com, M-O-O-K-I-E-S-M-I-R-A-C-L-E.com. It's basically uh, a website I started years ago to share my story. My most of, 95% of the story is probably up there. I haven't updated it in a while, so that's on me. But you'll get the gist of the story. It's, you know, a lot more details are in there, a lot more in-depth uh, of what I went through. There's a lot of gory graphic pictures. So if you click the picture link, there's your, your warning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will see some fairly graphic pictures of the inside of my arm, my head, my mouth. Um, there's some daily inspirational quotes in there. And obviously, if you know, if you're ever looking for a speaker for your school or for your kid's school or your, your business, it's um, you know I've done most of my speaking at schools. Oddly enough, I've talked to a few car dealerships to the sales team. Oddly enough, I don't know how that ever <laughs> happened, um, but it, it turned out to be it was a sales team, and I'm in sales. And let me tell you, it works perfectly. The message works perfectly because miserable salespeople. Don't sell shit. Mm-hmm. But know? as well, if they're car salesmen, yes. you're relaying a story about what can go wrong with the product that they are selling to people and having a little bit better understanding of the risk of what they're selling. It's not just about the numbers. Yep. Yep. Sell the right vehicle to the person. Don't yep. just sell them a vehicle. Yep. If it's a family, get them a safe vehicle. You yep. know, there is risk when you're driving. So I think there's a whole other side yeah, yeah, to that no, no, as well. No, there is, and maybe that's even how I ended up in a dealership. So <laughs> I can't remember, to be honest with you. But yeah, no, no, you, you definitely hit the nail on the head uh, with that. But, um, but yeah, the, the message of positivity with salespeople is it's fantastic. I mean, it's because if you come across as the hokey salesperson or the fake salesperson or the one with the the phony smile, whatever, you're not gonna you're not gonna sell anything. Or you might, but it's gonna come back and bite you because yeah. you may have, you know, swindled up you know, behooved uh, sold the know, wrong car. Whatever to the wrong one it might have been. So yeah, no, the message works whether it's the kids in schools, which I love talking to because they're they're just so focused and they actually pay attention. Believe it or not, I've talked to groups as large as just over a thousand. Um, and they they focus, they pay attention because 
You know, it's it's to me to me anyway. Self, you know, it's a good story. Um, yeah. But it, it works across the board. And then yeah, Mookie's Miracle on Facebook. Uh, I try and post. I try daily. I'm not always good at it, um, but at least you know a few times a week. Whether I share somebody's you know positive message from another website or uh, I come up with most of the time my own stuff. Whether mm. it's you know what happened the day before, you know uh, sometimes I'll just post hashtag smile because literally smiling can make a difference to yeah. everybody. It's the simplest thing you can positively do yeah. that can make a difference. Just smile at somebody and they're like, whoa, why is that dude smiling? <laughs> and then they like, does he have brain damage? That guy has brain damage. He is missing an ear. Um, so I'd, I'd like to ask a question if you don't ask, mind. Ask away. Uh, getting into it. We talk so much about the positive attitude, the mindset, how important that was in your journey of recovery. Um, did you ever have a setback? Did you ever have a day where that attitude was a little harder to come by? Did you ever have moments where you said, what am I doing this for? Am I burdening my family? Am I, is this really worth the fight? Did you ever have those setbacks through your journey? Um, I'd be lying if I said no, right? Sure. So, so I didn't have any medical setbacks, as I said. You know, none of, oddly enough or miraculously enough, none of my surgeries went awry. It's, you know, that's a whole other 15 podcasts, I think, um, mm. because I've had so many, and they're fairly complex. But uh, I didn't have any of those. Um, no medical setbacks, but yeah, no, there were days where I was like, it was never the whole, why am I doing this? It was the, oh shit, this is hard, right? This, this isn't easy. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I told you before, I mean, my five, my four fingers on my right hand were pinned straight for months. So when they finally took the pins out, there was scar tissue that had adhered to each joint and bone, yep. so they wouldn't bend. So it took months for me to bend them again and actually literally crack the scar tissue from those joints and fingers. Uh, probably one of the most painful things I've ever gone through. Um, and there were days where like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this is frustrating. But when that happens and when that happened along my journey, um, that's when you have your support system, right? That's when you have your wife, your husband, your kids, your mom, your dad, your friends, um, to help, right? So again, back to the whole positive people attract positive people, negative people kind of push them away. Because of my attitude through it all, when there was a bad day, it was easily recognized, easily picked up on, and easily supported. Mm. Um, you know, I, I tell a story way back when, um, when I first, first got out of the hospital, my, my oldest, Gabriel, um, was just seven at the time, six. And I remember him helping me walk down the driveway. You know, he held my hand. He, you know, stood in front of me coming down the flight of stairs because he didn't want me to fall, mm. you know, because, you know, he, he wanted to help. And so when you, um, when you have that appearance of your need of help, you need to accept it, right? That's the other big, big key to this is yep. you need to accept the help. I tell people all the time, asking for help's the big part and accepting it is even harder, right? Because, you know, let's say you're doing a bench press, you're doing something like that. You, you know, there's, there's a point in time where you realize you're locked and you're not going to get past it. And you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need, I need the little nudge and then accept it. And at the end of the day, be like, oh, I failed. Don't be like, oh, I failed. Be like, okay, yeah, you know, you, you made it through. So on those bad days, on those days where uh, sucked more than others, uh, I relied on my support system. Uh, I vividly remember finally moving back into my home uh, that I never fully moved into in the first place after my accident. And... Um, my wife, Audra, helping me put up Christmas decorations 
that I couldn't put up. And I'm a big Christmas freak. I love Christmas decorations. It was Christmas time. And my house is bare. There's nothing. And she helped me put up Christmas decorations. Actually, she put them up because I couldn't. Um, and turned my house into, like, you know, look like Santa Claus. And Winter Santa's Village. Yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. Um, and so, yeah, you, you got to rely on that support system to help you through those tough times. Mm. And whether, again, back to the kids, you, you, especially kids, especially kids uh, and parents, you know, recognize when your kid needs help and the kids accepting the help when your parents or somebody wants to give it to you because everybody's going to need it along the way. Don't make them feel bad about needing no, help. No, God, no, not at all. But, um, but yeah, you definitely had the bad days here and there, and it was that support system that helped you get through at those points. Yeah, and you'd be lying if you didn't, right? Yep. If somebody says, oh, "No, you know, oh no, I, I never have a bad day." No, you're full of shit. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. It, it, but, no, but it's you explicit. Are. Don't worry. It's uh, it, you are. You you have to live in in a reality, and 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 accountability. Yep. Right. Okay. No, today's a bad day. That this isn't going to work. But again, just because you're admitting you're having a bad day, or just because it doesn't mean you're negative. It yeah. doesn't mean you're no, a negative no, no, no. person. Yeah. It's how you you're handle it. Again, you're positively admitting it, right? You're, 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 again, I, it's a glass is a full. It's not half empty. It's not half full. It's full. And you got to look at everything that way. And everything else falls into line. That way, even when you spill a little bit, yeah. you still have a full glass. I also look at it another way, too. Like those hard days, those days are rewarding as hell that you got through a day that you weren't feeling your best. You know, you can make it, you know, we could use a workout, you know, analogy here. You start your workout and you're not feeling great, but somehow you gut it out and, you know, you might not have had a PR that day, but you ended up having a pretty damn good workout and you feel really good about yourself. Was that, you know, and you, at, before going in, you didn't even want to come to the gym, but you made it here somehow, you got through it and you yep. had a good, you had a good lift. Um, you know, sometimes those workouts are more rewarding than the day that you came in and felt phenomenal and still didn't PR and still didn't, you know. Yep. What, yeah, and you know. I mean, sometimes you come in on those days. There are days I've walked into here, you know, wherever, and be like having a great day, and all of a sudden you get in and you walk out and be like, oh, that wasn't what I expected, right? So it kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. It almost sets you backwards. If you come in and, you know, you, you kind of got in here reluctantly, but you made it in, by the time you got out, you have no choice but to be on a better, higher plane than when you walked in. Mm-hmm. Um, because to me, when you walk out those doors, you've just spent an hour, 45 minutes, whatever it is, that little time in here, making yourself better. Yeah. You definitely didn't make yourself worse by walking in here. Yeah. You made yourself better. And again, to sound cliche, there's nothing more positive than making your own self better from the inside out. Yeah. Um, and, and again, that's kind of why I keep walking in and out those doors. Yeah. So when... When you came out of the coma and the doctor told you exactly what was going on and you had to process that, uh, was there uh, an amount of time where you did allow yourself to grieve and experience the feelings and understand what was happening to you or was it instantaneous that you were like, nope, this is what's going on? Uh, I'm not going to lie, I was on a lot of drugs. Sure. Uh, they, I was. I had a lot of. Um, so maybe it was down the road. Yeah. No. But, but oddly enough, I remember a lot. So uh, I come out, whatnot, and and as I mentioned, I never had. As I've mentioned a number of times, I never had any setbacks. But the other positive thing that came out of it was I had a lot of successes. They gave me a lot of different drugs to help combat certain things, and they all worked because I'm not a pill popper. Or I don't take drugs. Right. I don't take Advil. I, yep. I don't take really anything. 
um, as little as possible. So when this happened to me and they started pumping me full of all these different things, they all worked. Yeah. Whatever they tried on me happened to work. So oddly enough, I, um, I was laying there one day, and I do remember this story. Um, the nurse comes in, and she would tell me, uh, we're going to do your dressing changes. Um, they, they had to change all the bandages on my right arm, which basically was right down to the bone. They had to change it a few times a day. And so the nurse would come in about, I'll make up a number, but it's roughly close, 15 and 20 minutes before they would come in, and they would give me fentanyl to instantly assist with the pain, and then they would do the dressing changes. And then um, we'd go on with our day. And so I remember this woman coming in one time, or doctor coming in one time, and they said, uh, Michael, we're going to do your dressing changes. Now I have to give you uh, your pain meds. And I told the doctor, no. And he goes, what? And I go, no, we're good today. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I go, no, I don't take pain medications. Like, I don't do any of that stuff. I'm all set. And he goes, well, first of all, you're on some now. <laughs> he goes, but secondly, I highly suggest you take what I'm going to give you because what you're going, the, the dressing changes are really, really, really painful. And it, you know, and also you being in pain and squirming doesn't make it easier for the doctors and nurses to do it. It's a lot easier if you're just kind of laying there and we can do our jobs. And I looked at him and said, nope, I want to understand what I'm going through. I need to understand what I've put myself through. And he goes, okay. And he came back a half an hour later and they changed all my dressings sans additional pain meds. All the ones on my arm, all the way down, down to my hand, my stomach, the side of my head. And I, I made it through. I made it through all of them. A little groan and moan here, probably swore in my head a few times and like, what the F am I doing? And I made it through them all. And, but I needed to. I needed to understand that level, right? Where, where are we at here? What did I do? And so the next day he comes in, and I'll never forget. He goes, Michael, Dr. Blah, blah, blah. I'm here, and I'm, um, we're going to do your dressing changes now. I have to ask you, like I did yesterday, uh, can I give you your pain meds today? And I said, yes, doctor, you may. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, once was enough, I go, yeah, we're good. Yeah. We're all set with that. There's a reason why you give these out. Yeah. And, but I, I did. In my own mind, I needed to understand where yep. I was at, right? And so... Maybe that was the beginning process to answer your question yeah. of that grieving, but it's an understanding of yes. what you're up against. And that's how kind of I made it through all the surgeries I went through, right? I would ask the doctor, I would say, what are the expectations on this? You know, I'll never forget. They were doing one of my hand surgeries, and I said, what am I going to get out of this last this surgery we're doing? And he goes, Michael, if you can pinch and grab, which are the two essential functions of the hand, pinching and grabbing. If you can do those two things when we're done, it's a home run ballpark. And I looked at the doctor and I said, no, that's not going to work for me. And he goes, why? And I said, because I play baseball with my little boy. Nothing's more important to me than playing baseball with my kids. And I said, uh, I need to play catch. He goes, well, what hand do you throw with? I said, my right. He goes, well, you're going to have to learn how to throw with your left or you're never going to play again. And I said, okay, well, well that'll, be my, that'll be my test. That'll be my goal. Bet. And I can play catch. I played catch with my son at Cooperstown when he played in a tournament uh, a number of years back. I can play catch with my son with my right hand. It's a very short stint. I have to f very much pay attention because, it's, again, it's all rewired. Yep. Um, but that was my challenge, and that was my test. But I, I needed to understand all these little points along the way. Um, in terms of actually physically, emotionally grieving, yeah, I broke down a few times. And it was more that I was letting people down or that I was letting that I was putting people through more than they should have to go through, yeah. right? My parents thought I was going to be, that, that I had died, so they got rushed to the hospital. Um, what I put my family and friends through, um, uh, 
that they didn't need to go through. Um, you know, my mom took off weeks and months from work. My wife, Audra, took off time from work at all my surgery. I mean, I put my family through a lot um, to get me to where I am today. So to me, you know, the best thing I can do to pay them all back is to, to positively live my life and to show them that I'm making a difference and do my best to make a difference in their lives and everybody's lives. Um, you know, another great line somebody told me one day was that, uh, you know, I said, somebody said to me, you know, you're lucky that you're still here. And this other gentleman said, he goes, no, you're not lucky, you're fortunate. He goes, luck is something that just kind of happens. He goes, fortune, or you're fortunate, is you build up, right? You build up this life of fortune. Not a monetary value, but a, um, uh, a self-value, right? So you do these things, you, you, you're good to others, you're positive, you do all these things, you build up this bank of fortune, if you will, and then when something happens, you kind of cash in on that bank, and you become fortunate but it's not a monetary dollar value. Mm. Luck is, oh, I bought a scratch ticket and I won, right? Surviving a car accident to me isn't lucky. It's fortunate. I had built up this bank of good fortune that I cashed in one day when this gentleman saved my life. And oddly enough, I got fortunate enough to meet him. Mm. Took him to lunch. <laughs> he told me my story. Um, and so, you know, my best advice to people is, is live life, be a good human, right? Be positive, be a good human, build up that bank of a fortunate uh, activity because you never know when you're going to need it. Fantastic. I think that's a great phrase to end on. I don't know, I if, don't I, I don't know if I can top that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I can, you know. That's, um, uh, it's an incredible story, Mike. Absolutely incredible. And I've, uh, I've been the entire time putting my personal story into perspective via your story. And it is, it's a game changer, man. You know, it's, it's, I, um, I, I, I actually enjoy telling my story, if this makes any sense. Yeah. And not because I enjoy reliving the past. No. But I enjoy telling my story because the one person I can make a difference in makes all the difference to me. Yeah. Right? I've talked to kids at schools, and I never forget this one girl comes up to me at, uh, at, uh, at a school, and she goes, not a lot of people get through to me. Not a lot of people make a difference. You know, I'm one of these different kids. And she's like, but you, you made a difference. She's like, I, I'm going to start looking at things differently. And that's all I can ever ask for. So, you know, I, I, I don't tell my story just because it's like, oh, I want to tell my story. It's because I do truly want to make a difference. I want, to, I want to lend a way of helping people look at things in a more positive light. Yeah, you've done that today. I can guarantee you a lot of our listeners are going to take away that too. I mean, I've been at moments of your story, I've been borderline tears just listening to it. You know, it is, it causes a lot of self-reflection, a lot of appreciation, a lot of empathy. It is, it's a story, dude. It, it is, and it, it never seems to stop uh, going. And, I, and I'll leave you with this. Um, I, I told you earlier, I have a tattoo on my right arm. It says positive. There's another tattoo on my chest, and it's the date of my accident. And to put that in perspective, my accident was September 12th of 2009. I wear my grandfather's wedding ring around my neck. My grandfather died when I was six. My middle name is Hervey, Edivay in French. And he passed away when I was six, and he told my mother that I would either be a lawyer or a politician someday, because I just love to talk, and I'm sociable, and you know, whatnot. And so 
I've always been impacted by my grandfather, even though he passed away when I was so young. So I wear his wedding ring around my neck. Well, I'm convinced that other than the gentleman who crawled in my car the day of my car accident, my grandfather came down and saved me and basically said, it's not your time, it's not time for you to go yet, and saved me. His wife, my meme, lived with me for many, many years. And post one of my surgeries one day, um, I found out she was about to pass away. Very long story short, she passed away seven years to the day, almost to the minute of my car accident. Minutes, shortly after my mom asked her father, my Pepe, to come get her because she was suffering, she was in pain, and my mom looked up and said, you know, Hervé, come down and take my mom. It's, it's time for her to go. And she passed on 9-12, 2017, 2016. And so 9-12 instantly rang true again. And so I, I, not too long after that, went out and got it tattooed on my chest that says 912. Well, about a month ago, I happened to be sitting at work one day and I looked up at the wall and my college diploma is hanging on the wall. I graduated Northeastern University on 912, 2000. So every year on 912, I get a phone call from my mom and I sit back and I'm like, what's going to happen today because you never know but 912 for some reason is it so so to my to my point was it my story just keeps on going because 912 seems to be a uh, a very monumental date in my life mm. damn dude i'm just i'm just speechless i don't know I don't have anything else to, <laughs> yeah, i don't, I don't know how to, to wrap this up because the story and every anecdotal story that comes off of it that you can tell is almost unbelievable in a good sense. It yep. is fascinating and trying and it's, it's all about the human experience. It is, and, and, and that's why I call it Mookie's Miracle, right? <clears throat> Mookie was a name that was given, my last name's Wilson for all you people who don't know, uh, and Mookie Wilson played for the Mets, whatnot. Um, so as I like to say, I was Mookie before Mookie Betts was Mookie. Um, my license plate says Mookie on it, um, but, that, but that's what my story is about, right? Mookie's miracle because of that one nurse that one day that said it's miraculous, and that was weeks after my car accident, and as you just said today, I mean, it's still, there are still things that I look back at that it should have never happened, yeah. and, then, and that continue to happen. Yeah. Um, and you're constantly teaching people via your story. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. No, I, I think, mean, I you think are. Yeah, I think you are, Mike, and, and I think, you know, you said if I could reach one person, um, I think you're selling yourself short because I know, you know, as of right now, you've reached at least two. Yep. Um, and I think pretty much anyone that listens to the podcast will do the same. Um, you know, we've been working with, with each other for a while now, and, dude, you're seriously an inspiration to me. So, I mean, I just the little things that you Thank say, you. I try to use that positive attitude with, you know, myself, with my kids, you know, just the way you talk about the things you do with your kids, and it just, it, it does resonate with me, so, you know. No, and, and listen, it would, I'd be remiss, remiss if I didn't say thank you, right? Thank you both for, one, having me here, having me on the podcast, uh, but thank you for what you've done to me. You know, I walked through the door, and you could have been like, yeah, no, no I'm, I'm booked, or, I, you know, we'll, we'll fit you in, or, you know, this, that, or, you know, those goals unattainable, but, but uh, I have to say, 
you know, from the moment I walked in, you were like, yep, let's do it. Let's, let's get at it. You know, let's do this. When do you want to start? Let's put a program. And so, uh, you know, you have affected, you guys have affected my life um, for, for the better. And I, I think, like Chris said, via this, you've affected uh, at least a few dozen people's lives today. So thank, thank you. you. And I appreciate it. Yeah. With that, Chris, anything you got to add, man? No, I think that's it. I think that's a, you know, just go out there. I think everybody just, just go out there and try to, try to be positive and take your positivity and try to transfer it to other people and just, just keep this positive train rolling because it's, I mean, see how powerful it is. This is just one story of it and we can continue to keep that going. Positively be a good human. <laughs> there you go. With that. There you go. Yeah, thank you so much, Mike. Thanks for joining. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate Chris, it. Chris, thanks for hosting today. Yeah, I mean, this is a good one. Great. This is a good one. Hopefully everyone gets a chance to listen to this one because this is, uh, I think this is my favorite one so far. Yep. So, um, with yeah. that being said, Mike, you got anything you want to leave us with? No, live life, act positive, be positive, live positive. No other way to go. Thank you, everyone. Peace. Thanks for tuning in, folks. From our pack to yours, don't just talk about it, be about it.